Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the round table, in this case, a rectangular table. We're back in the podcast setup, but we're still doing a round table discussion of our last episode of Game Nights, Strixhaven. And we're a little late this time because we had quite the crazy weeks. Yeah, if you've been following us on social media, you know what that's all about. But we <laughs> did want to do the round table. There were a number of questions. We made some mistakes. Uh, Olivia and Kat are not here, but as as we've done before, they're going to be uh, showing up in some clips that we had them record answering some of the questions that were asked of them. So again, we always go over this, but we want to make sure everybody knows the goal of the roundtable episodes is to cover the most asked questions and most commented on moments that we receive via YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, etc. regarding the Game Night Strixhaven episode. If you want to have a chance to have your comment addressed and shown on screen during these episodes the best way to do that is to comment within the first 24 hours because that's the time when we're usually rounding up the comments on this one yeah it took us a few more days because we were pretty busy with other stuff so you might actually have gotten in there even if you replied three or four days later but <laughs> that's generally not the case yeah and make your comments not like two words right usually the comments that have a little more context ask a deeper question or tied into other things will be the ones that we sort of find if it's just like a i love this we love that you loved it, but we're, we're probably not going to show it. I love it. Just say I love this. I'm totally fine. With it. <laughs> yeah. Actually, <laughs> if it's just that, I'll, I'll take that any day. Um, of course, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers ahead. The Game Night Strict Saving episode has already aired. Make sure you watch it if you haven't, because this episode, we'll be talking about everything that happens in the game. And of course, you don't want that spoiled if you haven't watched the episode. Or maybe you're one of those weird people that like that. If you like it and you don't mind being spoiled, that's totally fine. But if you do mind being spoiled, hit pause, go watch the episode come back because we will be ruining it. This is a spoiler show. Open up a new tab. Yep. Uh, And final disclaimer, we're not calling anyone stupid or dumb or whatever for having the questions that you have. The fact that there were a lot of people with the same question, and we don't usually tend to answer questions that only one or two people out of, you know, hundreds of thousands asked. Yeah. We're usually answering the questions that came up over and over again. The fact that a lot of people are having the question generally means that we screwed something up and we didn't explain something right or that we made a legitimate mistake, which there were a couple of them <laughs> in this episode. So these are our mistakes, not yours. Don't feel bad if um, even if we bring up your comments and we say, well, that's not correct. It's probably our fault that you were confused by it. Yeah. All right. Let's start with some general questions for the entire group that we want to ask because there weren't that many questions asking how we came up with it. Right. Uh, why did everyone choose their school, first of all, and then their specific commander hmm. from that school? Let's just start uh, with Olivia here and see why she chose um, Felisa. 
So I chose Silver Quill, obviously, because black and white are just kind of my colors. They're the two, you know, ones I play all the time in Magic. Um, at first, I wasn't super sure on the school, like if I would have chosen that college or fit in there. But after seeing kind of the new take on white, black and some of the cards they had available and, you know, the political aspects that was uh, involved there, it was a pretty natural fit for me. Very good. Olivia strikes me as a black-white player, right? She's definitely, those are her colors. And as always, we always give our guests the chance to first pick their commanders and Josh and I go last because we've been on way too many of these. We don't need to be taking someone else's number one choice from them. And in this case, I think Olivia was like, it responded within two seconds of the email being sent out. Like, Silver Quill! Yeah, I even think Kat may have responded being like, I think I know what Olivia is going to choose. Yeah, and, <laughs> and Kat was other. also very much... Witherbloom. In yeah. fact, let's go to Kat's clip here and, and hear about why she chose Dina as her commander. So why did I choose Witherbloom? Um, because I get to work with animals. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, why did I really choose Witherbloom as my school? Um, I mean, I think that most people that know me pretty much know me as a green-black player, whether it's just straight up green-black rock or Jund or Absan, um, some variation. I play other decks, but I always go back to that as my um, my go-to. And I remember the first time I read a description of Witherbloom, and I think it started out with Witherblooms are goth bio majors. I was like, all right, I'm sold. Like that's all I need. Um, and that they like ride zombie crocs around in the swamp and catch like critters and make stupid jokes. And I was like. That's my school, we're good. Um, and then on top of the flavor, I really like the new green black cards. Um, I think that it's like a nice refreshing take on the green black dynamic. It's We've still got the life death balance thing going on, which is like huge for me, um, both in magic and just in my personal life. Uh, but it's a little refreshing because we're not so like fixated on the graveyard and we've got more of like a life um, gain drain dynamic going on. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm a Witherbloom through and through. It's funny because when we were eating uh, right before the episode, Kat was talking about being, uh, you know, in the medical field and Witherbloom has that aspect of like crazy concoctions and mixing things together. So it actually fit really, really well with her profession as well. Uh, Jimmy, do you want to talk about why you chose Quandrix and Jadzi as yeah. your school and commander? So a lot of the Quandrix commanders in this set have to do with land drops. And for me, that's kind of boring, the landfall mechanic at this point, just because we've seen it over and over and over again. Uh, Craig's played red-green land drop decks. I played red-green landfall decks as well. I think all of us have played <laughs> lands, lands matter decks at this point, yeah. So I like Jadzi because it had lands as a big part of it, but it was more about the front side of it, which is like flip open the top card of your library and cast it for super cheap um and also because it's quandrix it's all about mathematics i wanted to incorporate a theme of like math is for blockers because it's math and i like math and not in the blocking sense so i wanted to add that like sub theme into it i figured i'd have enough value that I could be a little more expressive in terms of like right just pack it with a ton of value to get the lands out and then hopefully have some really fun game ending type cards that would force other people to like have to make some calculations in their head which felt like a quandrix thing to do uh, I chose Prismari. Even before looking at the commanders, I was like, I want to be Prismari because we had the choice at the end between yeah. the three that were left after uh, Olivia and Cat picked. Sorry, Lorehold. Yeah. And I was just like, well, I was a theater major. 
in college. Ah. And so I definitely like Prismari felt like the school that I belonged in from that respect. And then I looked at the commanders and Varen just kind of seemed really cool to me. Ironically, I think Varen actually takes more math than the Quandrix commander takes. <laughs> uh, but I didn't really necessarily know that going in. It just seemed like you could do some really cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, that you know, I, I don't think I knew quite how powerful that deck was going to be. I don't think any of us did, honestly. We were all like, wow, look at it, do its thing. Okay, cool, we're going to die in a few turns, not next turn. <laughs> yeah, it definitely was more powerful than I thought. Uh, be- because, again, we build these decks and we goldfish and we test them out a little bit. But in general, it's like, it's not like we've played them 100 times yeah. before we go on the show. So, yeah, that's that's why I chose Prismari and Varen. Let's talk about something somebody or a, <laughs> a few people noticed at the be- very beginning of the episode, Jimmy. Because Cat was playing a Witherbloom mm-hmm. commander, and Witherbloom is green and black. And this is the first time of, she's been on the show as well, which means so she, she was needs getting to get knighted, knighted. And everyone was like, well, why didn't Cat get knighted with the Sword of Feast and Famine, which we've knighted many people for yep. um, in the past? And in fact, we have a clip here from Cat. <laughs> Uh, talking about this moment, and she's probably going to spoil why, she, why that didn't happen, why the sort of piece of famine wasn't used. Okay, so the sword and the whole knighting thing. Here I was, it's my first time on game nights, and I'm like super excited, nervous, like butterflies, and I know they're going to knight me. Um, and then Jimmy goes to pick up the sword of feast and famine which I love because it just looks super cool. And even though it's protection from green black, I just love how it looks. So it goes to night me and I look up at it and it, it is like dangling by a thread. Like it's like broken in half and just like hanging by a thread. Okay, well it was used. It just wasn't used safely or carefully. <laughs> We should play the clip, actually, of the moment when you actually okay. break the sword so that they could see it. <laughs> oh, and Kat, it is your first time on the show, so Jimmy, would you like to do the honors? I would, and then while Josh is... Oh, no. Oh, Jimmy! Oh, my God. I mean, we're sad about it, we but are. that's fine. Really Melville we'll understand. <laughs> <laughs> That You'll can, definitely be able to be glued. That can be together. fixed. See how yeah. strong you are? Yeah. We'll just 3D print My another power one. <laughs> <laughs> I think by the way that it, you really just barely nicked it on something and it's, it's, it was going to break no matter what. Yeah, it, at some point, right? Yeah. So uh, the sword was made by Mel Lee, who's been on the show before, and it's actually not a solid piece of uh, stuff. It's actually 3D printed. And so on the inside, it's actually hollow, but it's got like little lines and it's stuff almost that like go foam. through. Yeah, a little bit. So there actually are a lot of natural breaking points in 3D printed stuff, and this one's a bit top heavy, as you can tell, because it's a big sword. So yeah, I barely, I mean, maybe I nicked it a little harder than I should have, but it was sort of on its way to that inevitable end. I'm looking for it now, but I think we took it out of the room. (laughs) Yeah, so I wouldn't break it again, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think the way that it just sort of snapped when you barely did anything to it tells me that it was already sort of fractured and probably it was it was gonna break no matter what. Yeah, but um, this means that maybe we can ask Mel to help us make another one. Mel, I hope you're watching this. Please, Please we need another one. Sorry for breaking the first I'm one. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Well, now that we're past the part where I embarrass myself, let's talk about some rules questions. Yeah. So this first one is an interesting one, and and so a lot of people brought up that Jimmy, there's a moment in the game where you're. Vesuva, mm-hmm. my land, enters the battlefield and you choose to copy a Temple of the False God, I believe. Yes, I think I want that double tap right. for two mana. 
However, a lot of people pointed out that um, you can't do that because they all entered the battlefield at the same time. In fact, we have a clip of this. Let's play the clip. So I can put any number of land cards from my hand onto the battlefield. Fortunately, I have seven lands in my hand. They are... Blood Strand, Misty Rainforest, Breeding Pool, Myriad Landscape, Ancient Tomb, Temple of the False God, and Vesuva, which will enter as a copy of Temple of the False God. Holy crap. Wow. Oh, Jimmy. Going to Value Town. Yep. I understand why you did it. Yeah, you did want that, you know, like, one extra mana. Why wouldn't I want that? Yeah, right. But because Vesuva says as, as it enters the battlefield, not when it enters the mm-hmm. battlefield... You can't actually have it copy something that's entering at the same time as it. Yep. Because as it's coming in, the other thing's not there yet. So you, They're together on the same train. They haven't yeah. stepped off the train yet. So you, if it said when, then the when would trigger once it entered. And then it would say, oh, that trigger resolves. And it looks around and goes, yep, everything's there. But it says as. Yeah. So that everyone was right. Jimmy wouldn't have been able to copy the Temple of the False God. Would it have mattered? No. I don't think I'm it pretty would sure have. I'm pretty sure I died right after that turn. All right. Let's talk about the thing that was probably, uh, probably, it absolutely was the <laughs> most commented on thing. And definitely it was a bit of a mistake on our part, a bit. It was a mistake on our part, uh, a rules mistake. So when uh, the Mizzix's Mastery is going off. The big game ender. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of going crazy. I'm casting like whatever, all the spells on my graveyard. Mm-hmm. Jimmy, in response to the Mizzix's Mastery being played, had cracked a fetch land, used his retreat to Coralhelm. <laughs> he cracked a fetch land and chosen to tap down my commander. Yes. And then while Mizzix's Mastery was going off, I made a token copy of my commander. And then Mizzix's Mastery was still stacking all the effects that I had sort of put down there, and I had an accelerate to give that token haste. Copy, right. Yeah, but the problem is that when all the spells from Mizzix's Mastery are put in the stack, or put on the stack, you have to choose all the targets right then. And because Mm -hmm. the token didn't exist at the moment when all those spells were put on the stack, accelerate could not have targeted the token copy, so I could not have given it haste with the Accelerate. And we do have a clip of this entire moment, so let's play that real quick. I'm going to play Mizzix's Mastery. So I'm going to exile all the instants and sorceries in my graveyard and then cast them. Oh, no. (laughs) All right, Mizzix's Mastery is now going to resolve. So I'm going to find all the instants and sorceries in my graveyard. Let's see how many there are. There are... (laughs) So many. So I'm looking at the cards, and I have to place them all on the stack in a specific order and choose their targets, and I can't change that once they start to resolve. Hang on, let me figure this out. So combined with Bergy and all the triggers, it's a lot to think about, and I just hope I do this right. I'm going to create a token that's a copy of one of my creatures. I'll target my commander. Then I will cast Accelerate. This one will target my Varen token and give it haste. I understand why this mistake was made. It's really hard to think about, right, when everything's on the stack and it's resolving. You're like, okay, cool. Well, I'm going to do something. That's going to resolve first. But when you actually put the spells on the stack, they need to have legal targets. You can't wait to target uh, until afterwards, right? They enter the stack at that moment they're targeting. And then if you do anything on top of that, those spells have already sort of made their decision. Yep. Also, uh, and this is related, so we can cover it kind of all at the beginning or all at the same time. The Varen token... uh, wouldn't have necessarily seen all the Mizzix spells right. get cast or, in this case, copied because that had already happened before the token existed. So it wouldn't have gotten super pumped up and then that buffed up and then when they would swing out like that. Right. So it's an interesting thing where 
Varen wouldn't have gotten as big and wouldn't have necessarily had haste uh, based on the Mizix's mastery. Now, a lot of people are saying, you know, this is huge because it means that I couldn't have taken Jimmy out with the Varen, in which yeah. case, yeah, in which case it changes the ending of the game. Um, so, <laughs> how to address this? The, this is a complicated, probably the most complicated turn that's ever happened on game nights, I would say. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk in a minute about how long the turn actually <laughs> took. Uh, but I will say there was a number of avenues to me killing um, Jimmy and Cat. That wasn't in question. So one of the easy ways to do it was Prismari Command Fury Stormed. Fury Storm copies itself. Yep. And then you copy enough Fury Storms to then on the final one where you've got a bunch of Fury Storms, copy the Prismari Command Boink. and deal two damage to any target and take them both out. Yeah. I didn't go that route because I wanted to draw more cards. And I could have drawn two and discarded two a bunch with the Prismari Cannon and, and right. still kind of gotten down to that and also just di- going infinite just doesn't feel great on game nights and i wanted to do it a little bit more cleanly which is like attack you hit, hit you hit you for 32 and it's pretty clear like what happened yeah. for people so I, it did not change the outcome right cat and jimmy were dead i also had crimson wisp in the deck and a million ways to like cast more cantrips so definitely i could have pumped the thing still given it haste after the mizzix's yeah. mastery was done you might have even found a way to get the field back that was dealing damage there was just a lot of different ways that josh could have probably found the win Especially because... If well, you not the win. Oh, sorry, not the win. Not the I had win. no way around Teferi's protection. <laughs> the double kill. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you also drew so many cards with the explosion, right? You could have inevitably, right? You drew it down to how many cards were left in your deck at that point? Three. Three, yeah. So, pretty sure you would have drawn a win condition or a way to figure it out. Um, and I also could have targeted the card draw from explosion to cat in uh-huh. that moment to draw less if I thought I was going to draw out my deck. So, I wasn't in danger of actually decking myself. I drew down to three cards on purpose thinking that I could win on the next turn and I didn't need more than right. three cards to do it. Right. Uh, so yeah, there's just a lot of... I, but it, listen, we messed it up. Mizzix's Mastery is pretty complicated and you know, in the moment we were trying to shortcut it and we were trying to figure out... A clean, easy way. Both also keep in mind that we need to explain it to the audience in a way that's not going to make your heads hurt. That, that happens a lot on game nights behind the scenes, which is like, okay, we know what's going to happen. Now, how do we do that in the most easy to explain manner? And you don't see that because that's behind the scenes. But a mm-hmm. lot of times, you know, Jimmy will be like, I'm going to do this thing. And I know the outcome. But how do we do it in such a way that it's going to be clear to the audience step by step what's going on? And so a lot of times we sit around and, we, and we'll make decisions like that's not technically the order that it would happen. But yeah, as far as like letting people follow what's going to happen, that's the best way to do it. You'll notice this in that a lot of times we will sort of resolve Ristic's risk study triggers triggers after the spell because it feels really weird to be like i cast this thing hold on ristic study then the thing comes out it feels way much better to go dragon cool dragon that's scary and then go by the way are you gonna pay for ristic study that's not technically how ristic study works but for the sake of storytelling and the smoothness of like watching the game we will flub things like that yeah uh, just for the viewer the only time that we would make sure that the ristic study does happen first is just like i cast a spell i need to draw a card off ristic study to make sure to see if i can potentially counter it and in those cases right everyone knows what's happening so again it's more for clarity than anything else yeah we want to make it smooth for the viewer uh more than like stick to the exact letter of the law but in cases like mizzix's mastery where it took a long long time to figure out the order of everything and it was just easier to like let's just resolve each one as it goes yeah so that it's easier to watch and it doesn't take forever you were kind of like dr strange when he's interpreting all the different outcomes and thinking about what could happen when he's got the time stone (laughs) it wasn't just me either so the next um the next chapter heading i guess is 
That turn took how long? Oh, very long. Yeah. So that turn took almost two hours. Right. Just to figure out. What we did is we knew it was going to be so complicated. I was like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to cut for lunch. Everyone's going to eat. I'm going to bring my lunch up here and I'm going to try and figure out during how lunch. I'm going to do this. What the order is and how we're going to do it. And then as I was doing it, everyone's breaking for lunch. I'm up there eating lunch, doing the thing. Then as everybody finished lunch, like Murph, Jake, Manson, they come up and we're all sitting around the table and trying to figure out like the best way to not only tell the story of how this is happening so it's clear, but also to get the outcome that we know is going to happen in the cleanest way possible. So it literally took two hours to sort of figure out the order and how that was going to go off camera for what was, you know, a couple minutes on screen. In fact, we have some clips from, uh, I think, Kat and Olivia both talking about <laughs> how complicated that turn uh, ended up being. Oh, Mizix's mastery. <laughs> I feel like, if I remember correctly, it's almost like we started that turn before we broke for a meal <laughs> and then came back. And Josh is still up figuring it out, trying to figure how they're going to make everything work, how this, what the stack's going to look like. I feel like that turn took forever. Ever. And obviously, like for every good reason, it should. It had so much going on. There were obviously like things to mess up, which happens in Commander because there are so many different like variables. There's so many different actions and things can have effects that you maybe didn't see the first time you laid it out. It was a it was quite a turn. And uh, yeah, that was something else to witness. So Basically, he cast this spell and we all realized what was happening. And first of all, we were like, holy crap. And second of all, Olivia was like, oh my God, I'm so glad I cast that Teferi's Protection. Like seriously, she had no idea what was coming. I mean, literally the best time Teferi's Protection I've ever seen, ever. Um, and then at that point, we basically all just ducked out and went and ate lunch. <laughs> Cause we were like, this is gonna take a while. Um, so from like your perspective as the viewer of this episode, that turn took like a few minutes. Um, from our perspective, it was like over an hour. I mean, we basically all realized what was going on and yeah, we ducked out and ate lunch and we were hanging out and there was a lot of discussion about like how to execute this turn. I mean, Josh was just using like all the brain power he could to figure this out. Um, and then when we went to actually go to do the turn, it was, I mean, it took a long time because it was every single spell step by step by step. Yeah, Mystics' Mastery is a insane card. And I think if you're going to put it in your deck, you kind of know, okay, here are my routes to victory. Um, because it would not be fun to be at a table and have someone cast it and then everyone goes, okay, I'm going to go to the bathroom, I guess. I'm going to eat. This out. Yeah, I got to do something. Just text me when you're ready. I'm going to drive home and come back. <laughs> I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, I'll see you tomorrow. Just, I'm, I'm dead, right? Uh, everyone agrees they're dead? Okay, great. That doesn't feel good. So just at least know how to In a real game, game, you can do that, right? Yeah. Oh, how many spells are you going to cast off at 40? Okay, I concede. Okay, yeah. But uh, on game nights, we can't do that. Right. So that, I think that's also a thing. I think there's a pretty good chance we just sort of quietly discourage people from playing Mizzica's Mastery from now on. Yeah. You know, not a maybe a maybe a, like a soft house ban. Just because it is a huge headache in production and post-production. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. And before anyone accuses us of cheating or any of that stuff, every single person knew the moment that Josh cast it and how many cards were in his graveyard and what he was about to do, everyone was like, 
okay, this game's over. There's no way it doesn't end at this point, knowing what's happened, knowing how low my life total was. Outside, sorry, the game is not over. I'm dead. You're dead. Cat's dead, yeah. Yeah. And and Olivia's going to get some amount of turn, because I, I knew in my deck I had literal no way for Teferi's protection for me to like punch through that. I don't think there is any way, actually. Even yeah, once it's resolved. turn spells, yeah. right? There's nothing you can do. You just have to wait for them to take their turn again. Yeah, it's so we, card. we knew Cat and Jimmy were gone at that point. It was just... a figure out what position I would be in afterwards and then what what was going to happen with Olivia. It's been a long day. Yeah. I think actually if if Olivia's not Teferi's protected there, I definitely win the game and the, the whole thing's a lot easier because yeah. yeah, I don't have to worry about what position I'm in. I just have to like kill everybody. Yeah, that's right. Because after the whole turn, you also have to sit there and go, okay, I need to be in a position where I'm not going to die as well either right. in the crackback. Well, didn't think about the mill back though. That mill back. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. Is that a thing? Evidently, it is. It is, yeah. And even after those two hours, we still got some stuff wrong. So, again, it's a headache of a card. There's so much going on, so much to think about. Bummer. Yeah. But okay. I don't think the outcome of the game was actually affected in yeah. any way. So, yeah. uh, that's the good news. All right. Let's talk about some gameplay decisions here. Um, there was a lot of questions. This next uh, category or chapter is called Patience, Jimmy. Patience. Let's play the clip real quick. While that is on the stack, I'm going to crack my Misty Rainforest, go to 14, and get a Forest. Nice. When it enters the battlefield, I'll gain a life because of the Courser, going back up to 15. And I'm going to use my Retreat to Coral Helm trigger to tap down your commander. Yep, seems smart before it gets too big. So a lot of people were asking Jimmy, why did you crack the fetch land to tap down my commander mm. before Mizzix's mastery resolved? Why not wait right until combat and then do it? Well, I didn't think you were going to cheat for one, Josh, you know, <laughs> with the accelerate. No, I'm just kidding. So Mizzix's mastery, Mizzix's, this word's awful. M's mastery, <laughs> the fact that it was going to let Josh basically take the turn that he did to me said, okay, if you don't act right now, there's a slightly higher chance that whatever's going to about to happen might not be able to work out. Maybe Josh can find a way to untap his card or well not maybe that he would yeah, have bounced maybe something right that could have stopped the effect or stifled it or whatever it was right. so i was like you know what in my head i didn't think you were gonna make a copy of your commander untap it give it haste and all that stuff right. right so i was just like i'm gonna tap it down now also i think i wanted to just not have to think about and wait right like right. to me it was just like there's so much going on i'm pretty sure this is the safest play given that you're all tapped out and you're about to resolve this insane thing so let's do this while while the the setting is still quiet I think also, like, I don't believe I had any blue mana available to me at that yes. moment. I end up creating some treasures to give me the blue mana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you didn't want to wait until I maybe get... Because I have, like, Sublime Epiphany, I think, in the deck. And so I do have some ways to, like, get rid of a triggered ability. Yeah, I think you only had one blue up. So, so. It, it, it does seem safe at that moment to do it because I have less tools available to me right then than I am probably going to have after all the Mizzic's Mastery stuff resolves. Yeah, and there's been a lot of times where I've been burned by sandbagging a little too hard, especially against blue decks when they've got all sorts of tricks up their sleeves and there's just so many cards you can cast for so cheap and for free these days i can't keep up so i was just like you know what i'm gonna tap this down early uh but ultimately it wouldn't have mattered josh would have found a way to murder me either way i think it wasn't gonna matter yeah just because there were so many different ways to to go but yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think that was as like there's there's not any ways to poke holes in either play, I think. Doing it then so that... Because I was going to draw a bunch of cards off all the cantrips and everything else, yeah. too. So, like, doing it before I have more cards in my hand does make sense. And also, I could see waiting until combat as well. Both of those could go sideways on you, though. Mm -hmm. And it just so happened that it did. But I think it would have either way. Yeah, and to me, too, you were so close to killing me with commander damage that it made sense to get rid of your... Take your commander, get tapped down as soon as possible. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. Well, the next one is a question for me, and it's a little bit of a similar one. Yeah, this is at the end of your crazy turn. Yeah, it's why tap out, Josh. Let's play the clip. And then with the two mana from Burgie, I'm going to play Is It Signet, which creates one mana from Burgie because it's not an instant or sorcery. And then I'm going to use the treasure to use the Signet to cast Talisman of Creativity. And then I will tap the Talisman for a colorless, use the one mana from Burgie, and I want to cast Walking Atlas. I got one mana left from Burgie, but I'm not going to use it because all my one mana spells draw me a card and I only have three <laughs> cards left. And then I'll go to my end step and I have 50 million cards, so I'm just going to choose seven of them and I'll discard this many cards. Wow. Josh has discarded to hand size but it drew his entire library. He's got his best seven, but he's tapped out, and I think I have a window here. Let's see what we can do. Okay, so, yeah, the end of my crazy turn, I just play all the spells that I can and pass the turn to Olivia. I don't leave up any mana. I think I have, like, one treasure. Yeah. Uh, Why did you... Yeah, did you have interaction? You always run some sort of counterspell, don't you? That could have saved your butt. Yeah, I didn't have any counterspells in the deck that are either zero or just one. Yeah. So I knew that I didn't have a way to really do anything on her turn. So to me, because of Bergy, right, I was incentivized to just keep using that mana as I could. And Bergy makes red mana every time he casts a spell, not blue, notably. Yeah, and was making two every time I cast an instant sorcery. So it was just like, let's play as many of these cards as I can, because I'm going to have to discard a bunch of them. Uh-huh. And set myself up so I can definitely win on the next turn. And I was basically just banking on the fact that she won't be able to kill me. Because based on my life total, it didn't seem like she would be. And, I, you know... Uh, it's not surprising she had Alternative Dementia in her deck, but like she hadn't drawn a ton of cards that game. She'd drawn some, but she hadn't even seen, you know, probably 25% of her deck. So yeah. uh, there's no reason for me to think she has Alternative Dementia in her hand, and all I got to do is fade one draw step. And so... Yeah, a high life total, you know, unless she has like... She didn't have... You couldn't even die to a sign in blood, right? Yeah, I, technically I could, but we'll talk about that in a second. Okay. Um, but I wasn't really worried about... Like, I wasn't thinking along those lines. I was just like... Most cards won't kill me here. She just has something very specific. And I don't have, like, I could bluff that I have something, but I kind of did anyway by just having one treasure up. But, you know, she's got to try and kill me if she can anyway. It's not like she can play around anything. Yeah. So to me, I just didn't have any interaction. And people were asking, why didn't you include, like, the cheap counter spells? The one you can cast for free if your commander's out. Yeah, or at least, like, Swan Song or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the reason is just that, like, I don't necessarily find those cards to be super fun inducing now if we were playing in a high-powered game and cash is at or kyle are at the table i'm probably gonna more likely to play cards like that but everybody's decks in this were trying to be around a certain power level and one of the ways i can kind of clamp down on the power level of my deck is not to include force of will yep. and those kind of things and so i just literally didn't put it into the deck for that reason yeah uh, you'll run like a mystical confluence though yeah. like a five mana counter spell something that's a little less try hard i guess is the right way to put it Wrong. yeah good spells but i don't want i don't necessarily want those zero casts counter spells and i didn't want to be like a counter heavy deck i had a couple of them yeah i don't like countering people's spells on game nights in general because people are here to watch people's decks do things not watch people stop people's decks from doing things yeah also prismari right theater improv isn't a counter spell the literal opposite of yes and yeah that's a good point that's a good point <laughs> you're trying to make the scene as exciting as and they're possible like, no <laughs> you're like okay uh, your, your director's like cut okay what was that josh why did you just stop they were on a roll they what, what do you mean you just say no to them yeah that's a good point my improv teacher would definitely not like a counter spell <laughs> so all that added up i just didn't have the interaction which i think is fine like and i yeah. got bit for it and i lost the game and that's how it should have ended, um, you know, it's not like I didn't do everything I could to win with the deck that I had built, but I didn't build a deck that was only goal was to win, right? It was to do fun things and allow my opponents to also do fun things. Mm -hmm. And I think that bore out in the game. People yeah. Got, yeah. 
And now Olivia's entered into a very exclusive two-person club, which is Mill Josh out to Alter of Dementia. Yeah, very exclusive. Very exclusive, yeah. All right, let's go to the next question here. And a few people noticed this, but I got to say, in-house, in-house among yes. the editors, <laughs> this was a question we were like... <laughs> Like, I literally, I think near the end, I finally text you. Like, you've you got did. to explain You, you sent an email. It's like, okay, we've been debating this all week at the house. What is this card doing in your deck? Yeah, so at a certain point, I think you discarded it. Yes, I did to one of the big wheels or something. Yeah, I discarded it. So oh, no, may... I discarded it to Jodzi, the, the other half of it. Okay, so you sure. may have... Um... You may have missed it in the episode, but at a certain point, Jimmy announces, I'll discard Jangling Automaton. <laughs> we didn't show it on screen or anything, so easy to miss. But if you look up Jangling Automaton, here's what it does. Jimmy, you want to read it? It's a three mana artifact creature construct that's a three two. Whenever Jangling Automaton attacks, untap all creatures defending player controls. What else does it say? That's it. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's a, that's it's, it it's a creature that when you attack it untaps the creatures of the player you're attacking yep that's exactly what it does so this is why we were debating all week because we were trying to figure out why is this in jimmy's deck it doesn't seem to have to do anything, anything. else with what's going on yeah. so and there were a few people that did catch it and commented on it in fact i got a tweet today i think that oh, somebody really? said like i gotta know why is jingling oh, yeah. automaton <laughs> in jimmy's deck um so jimmy why <laughs> Why is this card in your deck? Please so, explain. So, one of my favorite cards that we've ever played on game nights is Sandalbags. Saddlebags. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jandor Saddlebags. Jandor Saddlebags. <laughs> and I remember building my deck being like, I want this deck to be able to swing out everything that's got going on and then force the opponent to make a blocking decision. You wanted to say math is for blockers. I wanted to say math is for blockers. Yeah, I wanted to How have a... How ponderous have you? I'm going to make you do math. Yeah, and Jangling Automaton is as jangly as it gets. It is not a good card. Um, <laughs> no. But I knew that we had with a room player and there are pest tokens running around. Um, it's funny too because earlier in this episode, I literally used my retreat to core home to tap down your entire board, yeah. and then the card like this just like flies in the face of that. <laughs> so I just wanted to have this fun, interesting situation where hopefully I'm drawn. Right? If you look at my deck list, is literally just ramp card draw and then jangling automaton type cards, like lure type effects. Because I thought it'd be fun to like have a bunch of lands out and then play a card that would like swing at you, untap everything, figure it out, and then maybe <laughs> you know maybe have other people attack them. I don't know. Either way, like it was just one of those weird like i wanted to make a meme out of it uh because it really has no place in the deck otherwise don't just click add to card kingdom like buy list and don't, buy don't, this card don't do that card. yeah take a couple of edits if you're going to use my deck that's the great thing about commander i think and one of the reasons we love the format is listen we're here, there to have fun and so yeah. jimmy was leaving open the possibility of like a crazy funny thing happening mm -hmm. and it turned out it didn't pop up so he just discarded the card and you know what it didn't like cost you the game in any way right it didn't matter and they'll so i think like that's a good lesson for everybody out there um you can have some fun cards in your deck you know we talk a lot about on the show about like optimizing and you know what are the right cards to play to make your decks more right. powerful and things like that and i think that gets misconstrued because in an instructional way that is a lot more important for people to know but I don't, maybe we don't say it enough and maybe it's our fault that like, that doesn't mean like, don't do stuff like what, what Jimmy's trying to do yeah, here. Put right? your pet cards in your deck there. I, tons of players always do. It's like, this is my go-to. I love having this in all my decks. Yeah. And it's like me not putting counter spells in my deck. Why do I do that? I want my opponents to have fun. So I'm, I don't want to build the kind of deck that's just going to stop them from doing everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And that's another way to have fun. So think about that when you're building your deck, you can know what perfect optimization or even pushing towards CDH looks like. You don't have to do it though. Yeah. And you can, if you want to, nobody's saying that's bad either. It's just make sure you that you don't accidentally hit a target that you're not aiming for.
Yep, or just discard the Jangle Automaton and cause an entire kerfluffle at the office. <laughs> we literally were debating. And I'm like, let me see his deck list. And I was like, is there Death Touch somehow <laughs> to give it? So you could lure it, Death Touch it. But then you would need like old school Death Touch. Yeah, we, yeah. Were, we were really spending a lot of time on it. Yeah, it's just for the memes. <laughs> just for the I memes. I mean, we remember how everyone went nuts over saddlebags. That's so. true. Just trying and, to recreate that moment. Yeah, you know, it's kind of fun. Okay, uh, coming up though, we're going to talk about one of, I think, a lot of people's favorite parts of the episode, which is the awesome Strixhaven intro to college videos that played during the episode before and in the middle of it um there's a lot of behind the scenes here actually the entire staff here at the command zone house went pretty hard on making these yeah we got some cool exclusive behind the scenes footage that you're gonna get to check out and we're gonna answer some questions about how we made those but first quick break because we're gonna hear a message from our sponsors angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well i absolutely love this because you know if you own a home it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly. Which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift Bieras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. All right, we're back. We're talking about the Game Nights Strixhaven episode. This is the round table where we discuss the most commented on moments mm-hmm. and things from Twitter, YouTube, all over the social media, Facebook, medias. Instagram. It's everywhere these days. So snail now, mail. Actually, no one sends snail mail. No, no one sends. Sent yeah, um, <laughs> don't send a snail mail, please. So. We're going to go into a little behind-the-scenes portion here because we're going to talk about the Strixhaven college videos. Yeah. Yeah, so these are the five. We did a video for each college, and if you watched the episode, you saw them. That was just kind of like an... We thought of it as like an advertisement that you might see for like a... I don't know. You ever watch the Rose Bowl and like USC or Ohio oh, yeah. State will like have a, an ad like come to school here. Or you walk into like if you're applying to colleges, you'll walk into their admissions office and on the TV, it'll be playing that thing, which is just like come to this school and experience X, Y and Z. Yeah. So we thought it would be fun to create a bunch of these, but for the Strixhaven colleges. Mm-hmm. Um, 
this was an idea that we came up with pretty late. Only like, it's going to sound like a lot to some people, but it's not very long. Only like five weeks before this had to come out. Um, We pitched it to Wizards. They liked the idea. They helped us a little bit with budget. And then we had to finish writing, shoot, Shoot, and then get everything done. Edit, film, all that stuff. It was nuts. Uh, It's my fault, and I apologize to the team. We had to work pretty hard to get these done on time. We released them singly over social media beforehand as well. Um, Leading up to the episode. Yeah, great teasers as well. Um, And the reason people are like, five weeks, that's tons of time. Keep in mind, we've never literally done anything on this scale before. Uh, to this degree, with this many people, this many costume settings, all of that stuff, and, so, and just doing the effects and everything, and the amount like by the time we shot it, you now you only got three weeks left, yeah, to like do all the effects and and everything like that. Like five weeks is no time at all. Yeah, I, I would easily want double that, and it would still probably be a little tight. But anyway, we pulled it off. I wanted to give a big shout to Jordan Pridgen, who wrote the bulk of this stuff, including that silver quill. Uh, slam poem yeah love uh, that one yeah he did he did most of it but we did get a good amount of help and some idea generation from some freelance writers uh you know one person just can't do all this in the time allotted so and we, make it to the right quality level too yeah yep i want to say lady danger and ashlyn rose they did a really excellent job with all the production design not just that the wardrobe as well they yep. had an entire back area with like little binders and portfolios for every single person and outfit that they're coming in so they were organized there was never a moment literally when they were like oh no where is this thing they, they were on top of everything which is amazing considering that's not what they do on a normal day-to-day basis this is something they've actually maybe done for the first time ever so the fact that they were able to just pick that up that this is a skill that people in hollywood hone over years and years of practice yeah they absolutely crushed it we're so lucky that we have lady nashlin who are like editors mm-hmm. on a lot of our stuff but they also have this cosplaying background and this ability to just create you know awesome wardrobe and production design stuff uh, just because they're just so crafty and so like talented uh they also did all the set dressing for that episode of game night so you might notice we had like the faculty wall behind the players that were like the photos and then in like old school frames and they dressed all the shelves and everything so that the schools were represented they made these banners that sweet banners yeah you notice they were in the interviews of the players as well so not only are they juggling all the stuff for the college admission videos uh they also were doing the the onset stuff so just so much on their plate and they were able to just hit such a home run with every thing yeah um i also want to say that ashlyn really helped with producing uh these these short videos and you know there's so many logistics involved like you said every single person had to have like a costume right that's we had to know where they're going to be in the shoot what their role was what their availabilities are yeah what days everybody coming in and we had like 20 30 different people coming in some of them we need this person this person on the same day we also had to think about things like you know we had jovenshire uh from Smosh Games come in and do the painting for the Prismari. Well, okay, if we shoot that, it's going to take this amount of time probably, but then how much time will it take to clean up all the paint that gets splattered everywhere? The fencers, we had to find fencers. Ashlyn was like calling around everywhere in LA just being like, hey, we need fencers. Do you do that? Um, The drummer, the Tyco drummer, all that stuff has to be organized, the logistics. It's just a big undertaking. So big shouts to Ashlyn for helping with the producing of all that. A lot of emails got sent out that week. And then, so the shooting of this stuff took a full week. We shot for five days uh, basically one college each day, although there was some, you have to do things where like, oh yeah, 
Prismari is the first day, but uh, we got a, a couple of people's availability. We got to shoot. Get, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got to shoot one silver coal person and a witherboom person on that day as well. Uh, luckily, it's green screen, so switching out is not that hard. Big shouts to uh, John Salmon, who was our cinematographer, our DP. This is an old friend of yours, Jimmy, and an old rocket yeah. jump guy. Yeah, he shot all of Video Game High School. He shot this amazing movie I was in called Dude Bro Party Massacre 3. Very much rated R, so don't watch it if you're a kid. But it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hilarious. And it was nice because, you know, John was able to bring in a couple of his friends as well that I've worked with in the past. And one of the things about shooting on green screen is you might think like, oh, it's a green screen. Just set it up once and shoot everyone in front of it. But every single time you shoot for the green screen and you're like, okay, here's what this new setup looks like. It might mean that the lighting comes from a different place that to make it believable into the set that you're putting it in. Or you need to choose a new angle or shoot it from a different focal length. So there's all of these tiny little decisions that if Josh and I were just sort of like figuring it out or Jake and I were just jumping into it, we might make a lot of mistakes and be like, yeah, just this seems fine over here. And then you go and edit and go like, actually, it looks completely off. They don't look like they fit into the scene that we're putting them into. So there's a lot of intricacy that goes into shooting on green screen. Yeah, John's basically being asked to imagine an environment and then imagine where the light is coming from in that environment Mm -hmm. and then trying to recreate that lighting so that when the person is standing in that environment, it looks believable. Because you definitely can't have somebody standing in front of a window uh, facing out towards the window and the light's behind their head, right? Like that doesn't make any sense. Depending, unless they're like, if you're in a theater though, and it's like, okay, you're in a theater, you're on stage, where's the light coming from? Yeah. Uh, and will it all match? And now we go, okay, now we want to be in front of them. And he's got to be like, okay, well, how, what's the lighting look like from there? Yep. So yeah, so much work put into all this stuff, so much thought put into this stuff. Uh, and then I actually wanted to shout out that Olivia and Kat, who were on the Game Nights episode, we had to shoot their parts so that they could go into their college videos because we thought it would be like each person that was in the game had to should be in their college video. Yeah, right. Had to show up at least in their college or video. or be a voiceover. Yeah. And I, I had one quick shot as Hamlet, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so but but Olivia and Kat were here so early because we shot game nights, you know, earlier than we shot the college videos and we hadn't even finished writing them yet. <laughs> so we just had to kind of guess at what we might want them to do. And we had to light that in s- ourselves and sort of guess at it. And I think you could tell with Olivia's, it's not as, it doesn't fit as seamlessly in as when John's doing it. Cause he's better at it than we are. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. But we actually have clips from Kat and Olivia talking about their experience shooting the college video. So we can play that here. When we were on set and recording everything for the episode, um, we had some little, we had like some different stuffed animals and some critters that we were playing with that were gonna sit as the stand-in for my um, my critter that I was gonna be holding. And um, Ashlyn had this little critter that one of her friends had made. It was just like the cutest little thing. And um, I guess its name was Mana. And I just like not stop holding this thing and like just cuddling it and petting it. It was like my new little pet. And eventually Josh was like, okay, that's it. Like. Mana's gonna be in the in the episode. Uh, he's gonna be in the promo. So we ended up using Mana as the featured critter in the promo. Um, and if you could only see me behind the scenes, like shooting those scenes, I was so happy. I was just like, I was just really excited to be playing with the critter and then dropping it into the cauldron. Um, and then I remember at one point they had like a giant like block in front of me as kind of like the CGI stand-in. And I just wanted to keep like karate chopping it. So we definitely did some of that. Um, and yeah, so it was just like, literally if you would tell me that I was gonna stand in front of a camera and snuggle a critter and then drop it into a cauldron and turn it into a demon, like I'm sold. 
It was awesome. Shooting the Strixhaven college videos was super fun. Uh, I think we were some of the first folks that you guys had to uh, work with. So we actually recorded, at least I did, a bunch of different parts that obviously, you know, like were spread out over a bunch of uh, bunch of different students or people that we had featured in them. Uh, so it was really fun being able to kind of... <laughs> Uh, take a personality out of magic or out of, you know, that environment, that world, and bring it to life that wasn't necessarily like ascribed to a card. It wasn't something that you were necessarily playing a character, you could become one that would fit. So it was really fun to just take up that mantle of representing a school, representing one of the colleges, and making it something that's both uniquely yours and completely fits into this, this you know, plane that we were on. So it was a really neat experience, and it was fun kind of stepping outside of the box of just magic gameplay and it being so specifically, you know, tied to cards or the game itself and kind of building the world beyond that. All right, so all this is to say that it was quite a big undertaking. We're glad everybody appreciated all that stuff, followed us on social media and commented on it and everything. Yeah, and we hear that, you know, I think the Silver Cool Slam Poetry one was the first one out the gate, and I was blown away because I'd heard the scratch track, and we'll talk about this later, sort of like of the original version, but then when you see all the people, especially Josh, Kim, and Dee, who literally are born to be in this college, D is the it. most perfect silver quill in that he already <laughs> has the hair. And by the way, that costume was, he had it in his closet. This was, yeah. Yeah. We didn't create that for him. He literally just owns that. He's like, oh, you want me to dress like this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I there it is. It. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about um, silver quill really cool. Well, the post-production, I guess, on everything. Yeah. Well, I want to say that um, Sam and Patrick did such an amazing do- job doing a bunch of the VFX. But we also had to hire a bunch of freelance VFX people, freelance illustrators for the Lorehold one, which was animated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to walk through the process really quick that it took to just go, go through one of these videos or the process we went through. So Jimmy was talking about scratch track. So what we did for all of these is create a what we call a radio edit, edit a sound-only version, just to kind of give us a feel for how, what A, is it going to work, and B, it's amazing how much just from the sound of something you can picture it in your head and figure out if it's going to work. And the timing and the pacing. Is there going to be music underneath? Uh, how are you going to accentuate it? Is one part dragging too long? You're going to re- have a much better idea if you just do the audio-only version. So for Silver Quill, let's, we're going to go ahead and just play you the rough radio edit that we put together in-house. And you'll notice this is done with just all our voices of the people in the office because we didn't need the final voices. We just need, is this going to work if multiple people are saying it or do we need one person to say the whole thing or what? So we we did this and and you can listen to it. So you think you could be Silver Quill? Call yourself one of us, dare to say we're the same. Carry our title and brandish our name. What's in a name? With the Stygian ink that flows thick through our veins, we craft poems and prose into blades from our brains, slicing sharp through our foes with each refined refrain. From the darkest of swamps to the vastest of plains, we train in the arcane. And you think you could be Silver Quill? We are the leaders, out front, the trendsetters, slick, stylish go-getters. You won't find any better. We are the speakers whose words shape the discourse. Armed with artful imperatives, our adjectives out in force. You can hate us, but don't even try to debate us. We are in our own league. We have flow that keeps flowing. We will never stop going. No sign of fatigue. You want style cut with power and the guts to pursue it? Want respect and acclaim and to know how to use it? You think you could be Silver Quill? Prove it. 
Okay. Once the radio edit is done, it's time to go into production for the actual thing. So that's when we're bringing in John and the entire crew, lighting all the backdrops and doing all that stuff, and then shooting it and then putting it together. And this is raw. There's no VFX behind it. It's just sort of like in the theater of the mind because it's just the same green background over and over and over again. What you don't want to do is you don't want to have to put backgrounds on to more shots than you need. Yes. So what you do is you cut the whole thing with green behind them and then once that's locked, then you put the background, you, it's called compositing, you comp in what is the background or the VFX part of it so that you're not like doing that and then being like, well, actually we want to use this shot instead and yeah. then having to do it all over again. So actually we're going to show you the green screen rough version of this Silver Coil video without the effects in it. So you think you could be Silver Quill? Call yourself one of us, try and say we're the same. Carry our title and brandish our name. What's in a name? With the Stygian ink that flows thick through our veins. We craft poems and prose into blades from our brains, slicing sharp through our foes with each refined refrain. From the darkest of swamps to the vastest of plains. We train in the arcade. And you think you could be Silverquill? We are the leaders, out front the trendsetters. Slick, stylish go-getters, you won't find any better. We are the speakers whose words shape the discourse. Armed with artful imperatives, our adjectives out in force. You can hate us, but don't even try to debate us. We are in our own league. We have flow that keeps flowing. We will never stop going. No sign of fatigue. You want style cut with power and the guts to pursue it? Want respect and acclaim and to know how to use it. You think you could be Silver Quill? Prove it. Yeah, the funny thing is, like, when you work in the industry for long enough, you and I can look at that and we know, oh, that's going to be great. Yeah. But I think when you're new to the industry or aren't in it, you look at that and it's hard to tell because you get distracted by... The green. Yeah, the, the fact green. that, yeah, why are they all, I don't know where they are, where their placement is. And so you sort of lose out on the actual, like, what's happening. Yep. So then, of course, uh, Sam did almost all the effects for the Silver Quill one. Uh, he did a really awesome job. of, And um, then he went to work and we, we tweak and we mess with stuff and, and we finally get to the final version of Silver Quill, which uh, we're going to play here. You've probably seen it, but hopefully you can stand to watch it one more time. I know I can. Yeah. So you think you could be Silver Quill? Call yourself one of us, try and say we're the same. Carry our title and brandish our name. What's in a name? With the Stygian ink that flows thick through our veins. We craft poems and prose into blades from our brains, slicing sharp through our foes with each refined refrain. From the darkest of swamps to the vastest of plains. We train in the arcade. And you think you could be Silver Quill? We are the leaders, out front the trendsetters. Slick, stylish go-getters, you won't find any better. We are the speakers whose words shape the discourse. Armed with artful imperatives, our adjectives out in force. You can hate us, but don't even try to debate us. We are in our own league. We have flow that keeps flowing. We will never stop going. No sign of fatigue. You want style cut with power and the guts to pursue it? Want respect and acclaim and to know how to use it. You think you could be Silver Quill? Prove it.
there's a lot that goes into this. There's color correction as well, and each of the colleges needs to feel a little different. One might be a little cooler or a little darker. One might be brighter and happier. So there's just a lot of different elements that go in from making the rough thing until the final. And I'm sure people have seen those like VFX breakdowns of like the Avengers, and they're all running going, yeah. ah! and there's like a guy that's supposed to be Groot, but it's like a dude holding a head on a stick yeah. running like this. <laughs> like It does not really appeal to the imagination. So there's a lot of work that goes in between the first shot and the final product. I want to give shouts to Gaurav Galati, who is a new member of our editing team, who actually came in, I think, on his first day or second day, was helping us cut the Witherbloom uh, commercial. And then Jake Boss, who really sort of spearheaded the and supervised all the editing and visual effects and kind of on the post-production side, really was keeping us organized yeah. as to who was doing what. He was dealing with all the uh, illustrators... He was dealing with most of the VFX people, funneling it through him to me so we could, you know, because I press it. Yeah, I'm more worried about like, how's it turning out? Let's make these changes to these shots. And Jake is going like, okay, this person's got to do that. But he's also doing some of the creative stuff of like giving them notes and making sure that everything's up to um, the standards. All our freelance VFX and illustrator people did an amazing job uh, in a very short time. Lots of people worked on this stuff, so there's not going to be a chance for us to name each and every one of them. I want to make sure that you go into the credits, the show notes for this episode. You'll see the long list of credits for everybody that worked on that stuff. Uh, Give them some love because they really did some hard work. I did want to talk about before we move on, Jimmy, because I think it's interesting... Silver Quill turned out amazing. We were mm-hmm. all very happy with it. They all turned out great. I think yeah, Silver Quill, so. obviously, like a little cut above. Um, Probably because we above. have. I think Silver Quill appeals to literally who we are as, per, like, right? Like, yeah, Prismari, we are like, you know, theater majors. But when it comes to writing and editing and the precision of what Game Nights is, Silver Quill does feel like that's the right school to match to what Game Nights is in real life. And I think, you know, whatever parallel universe we were in, if we we're going to make five of these, one of them was going to be better probably than the other ones. They weren't all going to be equal, right? True. So I think that's just that just happened to be the one that in this universe came out on top. But there was also always going to be one that was harder, to a tougher nut to crack than the other ones. And this turned out to be Prismari for us. I, I'm going to name this chapter Problems with Prismari. And I wanted to highlight this because I think creators can look at stuff and just think that like, you know, they see the silver quill and they think that like, they just have it, they just know everything they're doing and it seems really cool and they did a great job. And you don't understand, there's a lot of struggle that goes behind it and right. a lot of, you know, a lot of the same problems that any creative person doing anything has, which is like, it's not working. How do we fix it? How do we make the best version of this possible? Prismari ended up being a uh, an issue in that we had an initial concept for what Prismari was and we shot all that stuff. And then as we started to put it together, we started to realize that that concept wasn't landing like we wanted to. So the initial concept for Prismari was that there was going to be all these people doing performance things in an empty auditorium, and we were just going to hear a person whispering words that started with a P. Ah. Power. Passion. Performance. (laughs) Pizzazz. And we were going to put a long echo on those P words, and it was going to sound very... Because we, we were like the Prismari, they're kind of pretentious, right? Dramatic. Yeah. Overexerting a little bit, right? They're showy. It was supposed stuff. to be like overly artistic, you know? And it was supposed to feel like pretentious, basically. Yeah. And Hipstery then, a, bit, a bit, yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, actually, we have a rough cut of that version of the Prismari spot. So, we'll go ahead and play that rough cut for you. Performance. 
perfection. Power. Positivity. Preeminence. Pizzazz. Persistence. Panaceticism. Panharmonicon. Prismari. So you all didn't like it. It didn't ring true. Yeah, I think, you know, we put it together and we were like, you know, you watch it and you watch it again and you watch it again and you're just like, okay, it's not working. And now you're trying to identify like what the problem is that's not working so you can try and fix it. And what we diagnosed and I think is correct is that this version of Prismari felt different than all the other spots because none of the other colleges are making fun of themselves. Yeah. And even if you weren't intentionally trying to make fun of yourself, the delivery of the words and that stuff does lend itself to being like, that's silly. Yeah. It just feels like Prismari is not taking themselves seriously in that. And that's what we kind of felt was like, this wasn't true. It was like they're breaking character. This wasn't true. Yeah. This isn't a Christopher Guest movie. This is like legit. The yeah. Prismari do believe in what they're doing. Now, the other ones can are funny, right? Witherbloom's very funny where at the end, uh, Day 9 says like, in Witherbloom, I get to be me. And he turns into a demon. And it's yeah. a joke. But but a, a Witherbloom is not making fun of itself there. It's not that kind of joke where he's saying, well, Witherbloom, Witherblooms are all hippie. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and, but Prismari felt more like Prismari was making fun of itself. And so we played around a lot and I'm talking like, now we're up to like, this thing has to get done. It has to release tomorrow or the day after that. And we're trying mm-hmm. to figure out how to fix this thing. And we played around with some of the color filtering on it, the red and blue thing, uh, to kind of give it some more stylization, which yeah. does is a little pretentious, but is the type of thing Prismari would do that doesn't feel like they're making fun of themselves. It feels more true to them. Um, and then we actually totally rewrote what was being said because we wanted it to feel like a, like what it is like to create and be creative from the perspective of a creative person. And ultimately, there's, these are supposed to be recruitment videos, yes. right? Like, why do you want to come to this college? Because of X, Y, and Z. Not because we are silly and wear tutus and whisper P words, you know. Because or, we're or, pretentious, right? Or cod pieces or whatever it is, right? No, yeah. it's like, no. Pres- if you're a theater major, the last thing you're going to do is make fun of yourself. Right. <laughs> now, you might do something that other people who aren't theater majors look at and go, well, that's pretentious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. other people who are creative will look at it and go, like, that's me, right? So it's riding that line. It's like Silver Quill. If you're not, you know, if you're not cool or dress nice or have biting, uh, condescending cool things quips. to say to people, yeah. yeah, then you look at that and go like, well, those people are jerks. <laughs> uh, but a silver cool person looks at that and goes like, that's me. I want to be like yeah, that. That's so cool. Yeah. So this is what we sort of, with the new filter, color filters, and with rewriting uh, the dialogue, this is the final version of Prismari. You begin with nothing. And then... A spark. An idea. It takes hold of you. That spark becomes a flame. It's a drop of water that becomes a river. A torrent changing all it touches. You are an artist. Where others see chaos, you see a canvas. It's not easy, but you fight past your doubts. You persevere. You're passionate. You're proud. You're a prodigy. You are Prismari. So we task you, the audience watching now, which of these two versions do you actually think was better? Um, And, you know, it's okay, by the way, to answer either one. Maybe you think that we should have gone a more comedic route intentionally or not. Or maybe you think that, yeah, you know what? We don't need to be so, I don't know, uh, irreverent. 
in that way that we delivered it originally. And the second one does feel more in line with the other colleges as well, which I think is important to know. Yeah, and I think full disclosure, if we had the chance, I think, um, and we had unlimited time and budget, I think we probably would have rethought Prismari from the ground up. Yeah. But by the time we kind of realized what the fact that the initial concept was kind of like attacking from the wrong angle, it yeah. was too it was too late to do a lot. So we kind of did what we could with what we had. And I think we did make it better in the end. But um, well, anyway, that's how it turned out. I always think it's interesting to sort of see uh, the issues behind the scenes of stuff and how they sort of tackle it and how they come up with what they come up with. And, you know, hopefully they make it better. But just so you know, the struggle's real. The struggle is real. All right. Uh, well, I'd also like to know your favorite moments from the college videos overall. I liked hearing Marshall Sutcliffe's voice. Yeah. <laughs> There's something so iconic. Marshall Sutcliffe, by the way, is the reason that this podcast started. Uh, a good point. When Josh and I first listened to Limited Resources back in the day, that voice would be on my car radio or my All the time. All the time. Yeah, we were just obsessed with Drafting Unlimited, and he just has one of those just silky buttery smooth voices so hearing it come up in the lower hold video i was like that's marshall i know who it is and so that, i thought that was a really fun cameo because he could also do it you know remotely you yeah you need to be in los angeles to help record that yeah one of the great fun things about this entire project was just bringing our friends in in some respect and so many of them yeah to just have a little bit of peace of as much as we could and everything you know you heard prof's voice at a certain mm-hmm. point maria's uh we whenever we could use a voice we would have a voice cameo and so many different uh you know josh kim d so many of the old game nights and we also got to bring in people like alexander ward and erica ishii and yeah. other people from you know that we kind of tangentially know but not through magic to come in and be parts of it and, and we got to say like erica ishii you're definitely silver you're quill. definitely silver yeah. quill. yeah everything so about you this is perfect um so that was a really fun part and of it. she agreed of course yeah. all right okay. let's talk about another part that always gets praise for every episode of game nights it's the animations Whew, they just keep getting better there weren't as many like 3d animated ones this time around but we got to get sillier in different ways which i think people notice quite a bit or not sillier more stylized or artistic and take bigger risks which is kind of cool yeah, Prismari Command got called out by a ton of That's people. That's my favorite by far. Yeah, and it's interesting because that is a difficult card to animate. So I'm sure we'll put it on screen here. But if you look at it, you're like, geez, what, what do, do you do? do with that thing? Do you make every single thing move? It'll be a lot. It'll be too much movement. How do you do this? And um, the the sort of the Charlie's Angels kind of disco yeah. vibe of it K-pop coming in. K-pop world, yeah. like cool showcase And it felt Prismari as well, yes. right? Yeah. I mean, do you think that the Prismari video that you would have done for the college entrance video would have changed after Prismari Command? Probably. Yeah. If we knew what we knew, I think we would have looked at Prismari Command and been like, oh, that should be one of our uh, guiding points right. that tells us like sort of, and, and I think we probably would have leaned into that and maybe gone more in that direction. Yeah. A lot of love too for Wheel of Fortune. Oh, yeah. Because the art is old and kind of like not amazing, right, by current standards, but it's very iconic. So how are you going to bring life to that in a way that makes it feel epic? And in this case, you kind of went the opposite direction. <laughs> yeah, I think it was Jake's idea and he pitched it and he was like, you like those old uh, Hobbit yeah. movie, animated movies, like the old Hanna-Barbera stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think, you know, us having fun and leaning into that kind of stuff really does add like a, a little nod and a wink to the audience of like, mm-hmm. you know, we don't have to just do the, the dragon, thing, like, yeah. yeah, lands, breathes fire everywhere and roars, you know, we can do that sometimes, but you can also do some fun and funny stuff. Yeah, like the Toxic Deluge with the low fart noise, Yeah, too, I think. <laughs> it's kind of along those same lines. I mean, if you can turn one of the animations into a joke, then you've legitimately, like, added to the production value of the show, right? Yeah. 
And yeah. I think that also for Magic players too that love old art, new art, and everything in between, it gives you that full expressive thing. Because if you're right, if everything was just like, let's make it as cool and stylized as possible, we'd be making a Zack Snyder movie. Right. So. <laughs> and it would be four by three and yeah. <laughs> four hours long. Okay. okay. Uh, big shouts to Sam Waldo and Patrick Nan who really killed it with the animations in this Game Nights episode, despite also having to do all that work on the Strixhaven College videos. Sam really, really worked his butt off. Yeah, uh, Sam. Dragging us across the finish line. You know, I felt bad because usually we get into these situations where I've bit off more than the team can chew. And one of the ways I can help solve that is just I personally work 110 hours that week. Mm -hmm. When it's VFX, I can't do that. And Sam really put in a lot of hours to make sure all this stuff looked really good. So Sam, don't worry, we gave him some time off afterwards as a thank you. But, uh, you know, Sam really bailed water and really, you know, helped us out a lot to help finish all this stuff. And, and really, you know, the quality was still super high. It wasn't like it cost us anything. So Sam, yeah. al Sam always just doing amazing work. The best thing we can do for Sam in the future is just play the same cards we did in this right. episode and play the ones prior so that he doesn't have to do it as much. Play Prismari Command in every <laughs> single video. That card is good. So. I mean, honestly, I'm going to slam it into a couple of decks <laughs> yeah. in the future because I want to see that animation again. <laughs> it, it can't go to waste. Uh, speaking of the animations, there's one more little Easter egg we wanted to call out here. So um, there is a moment where Sign in Blood gets played and let's show this very important card in this deck yeah in this game let's show the sign and blood animation one more time so i'm not sure who came up with this it was probably jake or sam yeah because they did this something else with elish norn right in the past yeah yeah they've done it with phyrexian so phyrexian yeah the text that sort of comes up on screen is actually like um they're actually like some old germanic ruins Elder Futark. Yeah, and it actually spells out Josh Lee Kwai <laughs> in these uh, Germanic ruins. So, yeah. They great all, little Easter egg. Great. And some... and. Kudos to the people out there in the comments who actually went out and translated and 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 said, oh, I know what that spells. Yeah, I'm sure by the time they got to the J and the O, they're like, wait a second, Josh. Aha! <laughs> These guys are always thinking about that. I can almost guarantee if any words come up on screen, they will have thought of something that it's spelling out. So yeah. every time that happens, you should try and figure out what it says. That's yeah, definitely going to be There are whispers, yeah. words being spelled out, just anywhere for, because it doesn't cost them anything, right? It's, it's not that much extra work and it's a lot of fun and it makes you happier when you're making the thing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, big love to both of our guests, Olivia and Kat. Olivia's been on the show before, but this was Kat's first episode. Uh, it, it was great to just have two people that are also friends in real life because the chemistry around the table, we don't need to work at it. They're already Fair. friends. We already know everyone, and we're just able to play and have fun with it. Yeah, uh, it's always great to have uh, Olivia on the show. She's a CAG member. She's an old friend of ours from way, way back. She's been on a bunch of episodes. And an arm wrestling champ. Oh, boy. A lot of people asking about the arm wrestling. Maybe we'll have to set that up. For some <laughs> you would probably kick my butt right now. I have not worked out clearly uh, <laughs> since the pandemic started. Yeah. Um, <laughs> me neither. <laughs> yeah. Olivia, you can find on Twitter and, and on Twitch. Yep. Um, she plays Commander on Twitch, actually. Yeah. She hosts like a bunch of people playing Commander all the time, plays with the, the members of the CAG and the RC all the time and other people in the community. Uh, and Kat, you can also find on Twitter and Instagram. Um, she's at TarmoCat on both. And Olivia is at Go Bear Hicks. Hicks. And all those links, as always, are going to be in the show notes. So uh, definitely find them, show them some love, let them know that you liked them on uh, the episode. Yep. And, and one last big shout out. We've shouted them out a lot because they did a lot. And we're talking a lot. Everyone pulled in a lot of extra hours to do this, except for me. Um, Ashlyn Rose, Lady Danger, they really dressed up not only the set up here, but if you go to like the Witherbloom video and the Quandrix video, you'll notice that the scene that I'm in where Freddie drinks from the vial and the scene that she's in with Craig are the same set, but completely different because of what's dressed on it. 
which is pretty awesome. That's a lot of work, a lot of attention to detail. And so many times the small things in the corners that you don't see on camera, but they actually add to the complete full effect. That like makes a huge difference. Yeah, for instance, uh, in that scene where Lady puts the drop of poison or whatever mm -hmm. on the orchid and it dies, you can see when they cut to the wide where Craig's there on the on the table is a little glowing vial with the Phyrexian, Phyrexian. symbol on it. So it's the, you, you know, cause Mr. Infect's there. So you have to have a yeah. little bit of poison. So Ashlyn and Lady really did think of everything, uh, yeah. really killed it with the small attention to detail. So great yeah. job. Uh, again, all their info will be uh, in the show notes, but you can follow them both on Twitter or find them on their various socials. And then big thanks to the editing team, Jake Boss, Josh Murphy, Manson Lung, who worked so, so hard to cut the game portion of game nights and really, you know, make sure that that is up to the standard. And I got to say, like, I was working on the college videos. I did not have a lot to do with the actual game nights episode this time. And I don't think you can tell at all. That's how good these guys have gotten at it. So huge ups to them uh, for working so hard and, and getting that done. It's to the point where when we play Commander, we'll sometimes be like, and then Josh Lee Kwai did this and would just start doing the interview at the table because everyone's sort of gotten used to the cadence and all that stuff. So that's a lot of fun too. All right, big thanks to Card Kingdom, who is our sponsor. Cardkingdom.com slash Command Zone is the place you want to go if you want to order your Magic products, singles, anything at all. You want to get those Commander pre-con decks from Strixhaven. Oh, there are some good ones. Our Kaolmancer's map in the Lorehold one. Oh, so many great cards. You want to get those draft boosters those collector boosters so you can get your hands on the mystical archives or oh, the yeah. cool uh japanese, japanese uh Ooh, what are the japanese showcase whatever they're called yeah they look really 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 sweet uh in fact that was a lot of the stuff when we were at frankenstein that post malone was picking up was the japanese oh, yeah, um right. stuff so yeah if you want to get your hands on any of that cardkingdom.com slash command zone and of course patrons get to watch game nights and extra turns a day early they're gonna be able to watch that next episode of game nights coming up with a very special uh, postie in it i think we've announced it somewhere else hopefully before this video comes out who cares if you're watching this point now you know it's pretty obvious from the pictures that we tweeted make sure you follow us on social media as well and go to patreon.com slash command zone sign up you can find us on discord josh and i are always there asking questions and we can dive deeper into a lot of the questions that get asked here and sometimes even our patrons point out the mistakes that we make so that we can go back and fix some of them if they're fixable yeah sometimes they're not sometimes they are yeah. <laughs> but yeah they definitely give us a chance to do so and yeah that's that's a good thing yeah, or a good thing to say if you're not fo following us on social media like twitter facebook instagram then you probably didn't hear that post malone is going to be a guest on the next game night so make sure that you go and follow us on those social media platforms so that you know that stuff yeah as early and as possible. there's gonna be some cool behind the scenes stuff as well oh, maybe yeah. some patreon exclusive stuff but you definitely want to be the people that see this episode first because this is what i'm, I'm calling it. it's a watershed moment in magic the gathering's history yeah it's pretty cool so pretty we're cool. excited for you to see it it is like a month away yeah so yeah, don't yeah. get your it, the, you're it, currently pre malone yeah and then it's going to be post malone <laughs> nice uh a lot of people made that joke i, I can't take credit for it. <laughs> yeah we're still editing the episode it takes a while but it will come out we just want you to be ready for it join our patreon so you can see it early okay everybody okay. thanks for watching we'll see you next time <laughs> peace For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. 
Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.